welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Pipe Bomb Productions. I am the Bear Man, and it's my honor and privilege to welcome to you a special guest. Not only is he a close friend, I used to work with this dude. He used to root for me. He used to mentor me. He was always there for me. And most of all, he's a very passionate wrestling fan. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Mr. David LaFon. David, what is up, brother? It's been so long. Yeah, man. I think it's been about shit nine, uh, eight, nine years since we last worked together and last saw each other. And yeah. That was like two toddlers and a heart surgery ago, so it's definitely been a while, man. Yeah, and Just, Evan, uh, and, and how how are you feeling? Because, you know, seeing, like, what you've been going through, man, it, it's had me worried. Uh, I'm great, man. Uh, I'm still a little, you know, too overweight, but uh, that's I think that's just part of, part of who I am. But life has uh, never been better, man. Got a great job. Kids are doing good. Um, wrestling is better than it's ever been, so I'm just surviving and uh, excited to be here to talk with you and the, uh, you know, the Bear Man uh, audience and just uh, kind of give them some insight on someone who's, uh, you know, watched wrestling for the better part of the past 30, 35 years. So, I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm excited, too. And, and just so you know, everybody, David's going to be back here more often because David's been a wrestling fan since the 80s. So. That's what that's something that this show is definitely going to need. But we're going to go ahead and get started. And one of the things you definitely wanted to speak about was the tournament for the vacant AW title. And of course, the backstory is after what happened at the media scrum, the next day, Tony Khan made the announcement. The trios title were vacated, and but they, they have new champions as that. But the AEW title is still up for grabs. But a tournament was set, and the semifinals actually takes, takes place on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get the rematch from All Out of Jericho versus Danielson. And then, of course, John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara. You know, after Guevara beat um, Allen on Rampage last Friday. And, of course, Danielson and Hangman put on another banger of a match. And so I'm really excited to see, you know, where this will go. Um, I know that Guevara and Darby Allen are, you know, they, they have definitely their legion of fans. They're extremely popular. But honestly, I think this would have been a chance to maybe elevate a guy like Miro. I would have loved to see him in one of those spots. Um, maybe even someone like, I would say a Malachi Black, but of course he's out and injured. Because I just feel like uh, Guevara and Allen, it's, I mean, Guevara won, but I mean, is there honestly anyone who thinks he's not just going to get fed to Moxley on Wednesday? Yeah, you know, you're right. And uh, actually, Malachi Black actually is no longer with the company. That's right. I, think that's they, right. They, yeah, they, that, I mean, I spoke about it that he was... That the release was already known, but I think AEW just finally released their own statement to make to, to make sure it's 250% confirmed. But as far as Darby Allen goes, I mean, I, I'm always having high hopes for the guy for AEW to finally give him 
a, a significant push, but I mean, he's still with Sting from what I know, but I feel like Darby Allen's been over with the fans for so long. I was really hoping that AEW would kind of give him something, but I mean, we, we can still only hope, but as far as, uh, Sam, I mean, Sammy Guevara right now, you know, kind of in his heel uh, status right now, of course, you know, they got to keep Sammy alive too. So that's the difficulty of having so many stars, but you know, as my friend Ricky said, and he said time and time again, when you overload a roster, I mean, the consequences are just more than just simply severe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is definitely a situation where they just have too many people. And then one thing I, I, you know, a lot of people, you know, Tony Khan's a genius and he's done some great things, but I think one issue that he has had is if you look at guys like Darby Allen, Wardlow, even Orange Cassidy to a certain point, is they they reach this level where they're just incredibly over. And instead of like pulling the trigger and doing something with them, they either put them into like mini feuds with people who no one cares about, or they just kind of turn the heat down. I mean, you look at Wardlow, you know, two, three months ago after we, after his feud with MJF, he was the hottest person in the company. I mean, he what? was getting Goldberg-type reactions. And then after he beats MJF, they put him in a feud with, you know, Mark Sterling against 20 lawyer job guys in a ring. And so I think that's that's what they've kind of done with, with uh, Darby and, and Sammy as well. And I just, I think it's a throwaway. I think there's no way Guevara beats Mox. And so I would have much, I would have much rather have seen someone in that who the fans could get behind and maybe actually have an upset, someone like Amiro, someone of that nature. Yeah, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy they put the TNT title on, uh, on Wardlow, but, but I, but I got to tell you, yeah, a, a feud between Miro and Wardlow would certainly be something huge. But going back to Miro about him, you know, being put in the AEW title picture. You know, I, I think isn't Miro a face now? I, I mean, based on the match matches he was in, I'd imagine he's a baby face now. I think you kind of have to put him as more of a tweener because he's just kind of doing his own thing with you know the Redeemer and you know I'm going to go kill God and I mean just the stuff he comes up with. Like when uh, was that uh, Julia Hart? You know when he was in that feud with Malachi, only one woman can touch the Redeemer. And I think he's just incredibly over, but they're just, they're not putting him out there enough. And again, it goes back to what you and Ricky are talking about. It's just, there's just way too many people on that roster. There is. So that's why going back into this AEW tournament, really at this point, because I've been asked, who do I want to be champion? I'm just kind of like, honestly, I, I really don't know. I mean, we've seen Moxley as champion already. I, I, I mean, I love Moxley. I mean, he, especially, you know, the Moxley we see in New Japan. Chris Jericho being champion again. I mean, Chris Jericho's my favorite wrestler. He always will be. But Chris Jericho not being champion as the leader of the inner circle just doesn't – it just doesn't go right with me. Does that make sense? Like with him leading the JAS, just not having the title? Yeah, I mean, because honestly, I feel like how the inner circle went down, I mean, that was just like, that really did kind of, you know, hurt me a little bit. Because, you know, seeing the top heel faction like that with with, the, with one of the biggest goats in wrestling, and then you have one of the most talented and underrated tag teams in Santana and Ortiz, and then another dude that was so badly misused by WWE. I mean, I thought that, I mean, things started great, but then it went, it went bad, but as far as Brian, as far as Brian Danielson goes, I mean... If he's champion, if they do it correctly, then yeah. As far as Sammy Guevara goes, I w that's something I really pray. If they, if somehow, some way, Sammy Guevara does end up becoming the champion, I just hope that it really his, the run goes well, especially if he's a heel. 
I mean, I just I don't I don't see a situation where they do it. I mean, if if they were to put that put him on him or even put him in the finals, I think he would probably go down as like the upset of the year. Um, what I would love to see happen, and and I'm like you, I used to be a huge Jericho fan. Um, not anymore due to a number of reasons, which we can get into off air at some point if you want. But I feel like since he's been in AEW, it started out great, and then Orange Cassidy got really really hot. Jericho got in a feud with him and cooled him off. Um, Kenny Kingston got really, 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 really hot. Jericho got in a feud with him and cooled him off. It seems like Jericho is just trying to attach himself to ever who is like the big thing at the time. But Brian Danielson is who I want to win. He needs to beat Jericho to get his two losses back from the, uh, was it the anarchy in the arena match? And then of course the match they had it all out. Plus when Brian Danielson came into AEW, he was the best heel in wrestling. When he was coming out with those promos, I'm going to kick your teeth out, I'm going to stomp your head in, running through the dark order, knocking teeth out of people, breaking arms, just the smarmy, smartass who knew that if he got you in the ring, he would just absolutely tear you apart. And then they put him in the Blackpool Combat Club, which I get, he's got the history with Regal, but I feel like they took Again, it's it's the pattern with Tony. I feel like they took the hottest heel in the company and Brian Danielson, and all right, we're gonna throw him in a tag team in a faction with John Moxley. So right. like I would I would love Danielson beats Jericho. We get Danielson and Mox in the finals, you know, BCC uh versus BCC. And hell, maybe in the middle of the match, Regal comes in, kicks Moxley on the balls, sides with D- Danielson, and you've got the you know biggest heel in the company back. Because they're going to have that void. Because for the time being, you're not going to have Omega. You're not going to have Punk. So you need a a heel. And Danielson was, I mean, you go back and listen to those promos he was doing. And those two matches he had with Hangman. The hour draw. And then that's, those matches were bangers, man. And he was getting this heat. And he was so hated. And then it's just like, all right, we're going to put him in a few. We're going to put him in a team of mocks. Hmm. Why? Exactly. You, why would you cool that off? Unless, you know, the only reason I could see them doing that was if they would have pulled the trigger on the whole MGF thing sooner, but they had him sitting out for three months. Now he's come back. And I just, I, I sometimes feel like he, they're being booked week to week with no thought on the long term and no focus on the history that's happened. And it's just like, all right, what are we going to try to do to, to make people watch this? If it does end up being Jericho and Mox, I mean, we've, we've seen it. You know, they did have a really good match a couple of weeks ago when Jericho brought out the Lionheart gimmick. But, you know, I saw a quote somewhere. It said, if your company's only, you know, two, three years old, like AEW is, you shouldn't have people being three, you know, two, three-time world champions already. I don't think I don't think that's a thing that should happen. You need to have I that agree. belt and playing hot potato with it. And <laughs> I just, I think Danielson would be great. He's probably the best pure wrestler in the world. He can be over as a face. He can be over as a heel. He can make anyone look like a million dollars. Yeah, 100%. And if and with Danielson as champion, I mean, imagine him feuding with MJF. Oh, my gosh. That, that would be amazing. But in that, but in that case, still, I, just, I, I would still see it as a huge fatal mistake for Brian Danielson to drop the belt to MJF. I mean, MJF could be the title picture, but, I mean— do I see MJF being AEW champion? I mean, I'm sure he would be a good champion, but they got to do it at the right time. Like, you know, he's gone for a while. He comes back as the Joker. He wins the, the ladder, I think, the ladder match. And it, it's kind of like 
It's AEW's version of the Money in the Bank ladder match. Am I correct? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Like I think the only difference is, you know, besides Chip versus Briefcase, is it actually? I don't know if it has the same anytime, anywhere type mentality. Because if it did, the perfect opportunity is at the end of the pay per view. You hit Symphony, Symphony, Sympathy for the Devil by Rolling Stones. He come out, comes out, unmasks, takes the title from Punk, and you finally you have closure to that great storyline that they had, you know, five six months ago with the dog collar match and the, the rivalry that they had. I honestly, that's what I was hoping was happen when he had that phone call and you hear the voicemail. I was hoping it was going to end with Tony being like, "And if you want, I'll let you cash in the chip that night," and then boom, you have. The, the backstage stuff wouldn't have mattered if they would have given, let MJF cash it in that night. That would have been the biggest moment ever. And then you could have him do that same promo the next night where he's wearing the Bills jersey. And he's, you know, I'm Moses J. Freeman. I love you. I love AEW. Mox comes out and you could do that exact same, you know, kind of heel ter- heelish. I don't want to call it a heel turn, because he's, but you know what I'm talking about. When he was kind of leading the crowd on and then no, like, fuck you guys. And you could still do that whole thing. But you have a great heel holding the belt. You have Mox, Danielson, Hangman as people who can chase it. And who knows? It may have overshadowed all the backstage drama, which honestly ended up overshadowing overshadowing MJF's return. Well said. Well said. So that basically kind of wraps up the discussion as far as the the title uh, tournament goes. So now we're going to shift our focus to Dominic Mysterio turning heel, betraying his father, and joining the, joining the Judgment Day. Let's be honest. We saw this coming based on the whole thing with the Mysterios and the Judgment Day, but I'm going to take things up a little bit further because it's been teased for a long time that Dominic Mysterio would turn heel by turning on his father. I mean, even Ricky had teased this for a, for a, for a number of months. So it, it finally happened. Honestly, I thought it was going to happen at WrestleMania because I told myself this. If Dominic does not turn heel at WrestleMania, then moving forward, I can't see a scenario where it's going to make any sense. Agreed. I think one thing, I think the whole thing that holds this together and what makes it makes it make sense, and you have to give just props, accolades, as Mark Henry would say, give your flowers. How great has Rhea Ripley been? Oh my God. She has been so freaking awesome. In my opinion, the highlight of the Judgment Day, they let her shine, her personality. And let's be honest, there's one thing that can make you turn on family, and that's the pierogi. Mm-hmm. And when she, you know, Dom calls me poppy now. And it, and like, because I was like you, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. But I think the way it's been built with Rhea kind of just getting in his head. You know, Dom, you can be your own man. You should really be your own man. You're good looking, dude. You can do your own thing. Just just listen to me. Just listen to me, Dom. You know I got you. I mean, it's to me, it has been, they took a, the recipe was for chicken shit, and they turned it into chicken salad. Exactly. Rhea Ripley, I'm just like, there's nothing about her that, that you really just cannot appreciate. I mean, I'm, I was a fan of Rhea Ripley when she was part of NXT UK, which had that feud with Tony Storm, and, we, and everybody knows how Tony Storm was one of the, my favorite. I've been following her since she was in Japan, but I will. I mean, when Rhea Ripley, we will never forget when she, when she cut that promo on Shayna Baszler, and she said to Shayna Baszler, "You haven't beaten me," and we all know what she said after that. 
Re- I think the fans were already in on Ripley before that, but when she cut that promo, she was instantly over with the fans, it would, and it would not change. Yeah, I remember that because it was NXT. Shayna's out there cutting that promo, and her music hits, and that just because I know she doesn't have it now, but that guitar and that this is my brutality, and just uh, and she just looks like a star. Yeah. I think you look at like, she, in my opinion, as far as looks, she's up there with like Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. I mean, you look at her and you just see main event, you see money. It's it's amazing, and then. You know, I thought the way it was executed was actually good. Like, if you go back and watch the way Dom clotheslined Ray, it was the exact same way Eddie clotheslined him when he turned that on him. That was something Brady. I was going to bring up because you are absolutely right. I, I guarantee you, I don't know if it was Ray, if it was Dominic, or if it was Triple H, if they wanted to look like that because it was exactly the way Eddie Guerrero did it back in 2005. And when I saw that, I was really – Really hoping that Dominic would cut a promo the same way Eddie did that following week. Like, I didn't want to do it, Dad. Why'd you make me do it? Like, kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, it it was good. And the one thing that I have to point out, not only did Dominic turn heel, but so did his hair. He has got the Guerrero (laughs) mullet. It's it's coming in, dude. If you look at the picture, the Guerrero mullet is coming in. And he gets a little mustache (laughs) and starts doing the little shoulder shimmy. And we're good. We're gravy. But I think it's going to build, and, you know, I, I think they're going to have some great matches. And, you know, Ray being as close as he was to Eddie and seeing his son, like, just because let's face it, three weeks ago, nobody gave two shits about Dominic Mysterio. And now we're going to have a 20 minute segment on him on this amazing podcast just because of how execute, how well the heel turn was. And like, even Monday mm-hmm. night, he didn't come out, he didn't say a word, he just had the smirk on his face the whole time. Rhea's got her arm around him, and just, I, I think it was really well done. I thought the Judgment Day was going to be toast after they pulled the trigger way too early on taking out Edge. I understand Vince wanted someone to take Cody's place since he was gone. They wanted Edge, but, I mean, I was worried the Judgment Day was just going to be dead and gone, but it's 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 got some legs at the moment. I'm very happy. It it, it does, and when I said we saw it coming, you know, for lately because – there was, you know, they were trying to recruit Dominic into the group, and he would kind of like say no. And then, I think basically there was a time, uh, there was even a point where, Ed, like the Judgment Day, where they were attacking the Mysterios, Edge comes out to make the save, but then he accidentally, I, I think he accidentally speared Dominic. And yep. then that next week, there was that confrontation, and Dominic like pushed him. So yeah. that's when, like, yeah, we kind of felt like something was happening. Oh, yeah, they definitely planted the seeds for it. Um, I think you know. Cardiff was a good spot to pull the trigger. I figured it either would have been that or, you know, somewhere on Raw. I think Cardiff was a good choice, though, just because you had a lot of eyes on the product with it being a premium event in uh, the UK. So I thought it was good. And then, you know, again, I go back. I like the fact that the next night on Raw, Dominic didn't even get an ex- give an explanation. He let Rhea do the talking for him. And I think yeah. that ties back into the whole, you know, seductive Black Widow type yeah, it's like yeah, he's he's brainwashed. You know, he's you know he's basically in a trance that he can't get out of. He got that leg lock around his head and just never wanted to leave. <laughs> yeah. So, so moving forward, I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, I, I don't exactly see. You know, I mean, now things with the judgment are certainly going well, but as, as far as the future holds, uh, I mean, obviously, for, I, I think for for now, the the feud with Mysterio and Edge is probably going to go a bit longer. 
but once once that's over, I really don't know after that where the judgment goes from there. But but I guess we just have to wait and see. I mean, they have to do something. Um, like I, I love Finn Balor, but I think in order for him to get anywhere back to where he was, he's got to have that demon persona. Um, yeah. But I honest, but Rhea and Damian. I mean, we could be looking at you know, probably not next year's WrestleMania because we know that's going to be all about Roman and The Rock. But, you know, a year and a half from now, I could easily see, you know, Damian Priest fighting for the WWE Championship, Rhea fighting for the Women's Championship, and that that being a thing. I think it's those two are definitely the future. Balor, a little older, definitely a veteran, but I think he can give them the kind of the wisdom and kind of play that mentor role. Um, I think a lot of times people forget, you know, Balor's been doing this for damn near 20 years. I think he's 40, 41. Um, so he's got that experience to kind of show them the right way to do it. And then Rhea and Priest are just, they're, they're prodigies. They're young and upcoming. They're going to be great. Oh, 100%. I mean, Rhea, I mean, I'm telling you, Rhea, Tony Storm, I'm telling you, there's, there's something about Australian wrestlers that just become so huge just at such young ages. I mean, if I'm correct, Tony Storm, I think, arrived in WWE at the age of 22. And Rhea Ripley around that same age, too. I mean, I'm telling you, also, I mean, uh, uh, you just, I mean, Rhea, Rhea Ripley. I'm just like, I'm just like, you just like, you, you, if, when you're a wrestling fan like us, you just can't appreciate her enough. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, you always, you know, they always talk about, you know, you want to look for someone who's going to capture your attention. She walks into the room and all eyes are on her. She is yeah. a star in every, every sense of the word. She's, she's a bona fide star. Exactly, because like I said, I mean, I was already I was already a huge fan of Rhea before she cut that promo on, ba- on Basler and told and said you haven't beaten me. But the moment she said that, I'm just like, yeah. From now from now on, I mean, this is something I would tell like, I'm never I'll never forget when Rhea did that because that that's one of the biggest moments in NXT history. Yes. So, so yeah. So that pretty much is it on Dominic Mysterio's heel turn and joining the Judgment Day. But now we get to, I think, you know, something you were definitely looking forward to out of everything, and that's that Triple H's regime. No, I did speak yeah, a little bit. Of, I did speak a little bit about it with Ricky, you know, uh, about Vince retiring and like that. And <sighs> it, it, everybody's asking me how do I how do I feel about Vince. I'm like, look, I'll always appreciate everything Vince did. I did. He didn't. Obviously, he, there's a lot of things, you know, his ideas, a lot of things I didn't agree with. But, you know, he's not going to please everybody. And I said, look, doing what he doing, what, what he did. I mean, what, whatever comes out of the investigation, whatever. But overall, I'll still appreciate what he did. But honestly, at this point, Vince retiring, I felt like that should have happened a long time ago. Agreed. I mean, I think you have to. I mean, obviously, you can't separate, you know, it's very hard to separate Vince McMahon, the chairman of WWE, versus Vince McMahon, the person, right? I mean, you have to look at, as far as the impact that he's had on wrestling, um, unless you are Jim Cornette, who believes he killed the territories, which Jim may be right, but that's another another conversation. Um, <laughs> I mean, wrestling is what it is today because of Vince McMahon. WrestleMania is what it is because of Vince McMahon. But that definitely, it came a time where he needed to go. You know, when you take someone like Karrion Cross, and he comes up and you take away Scarlet and you take away his entrance and you dress him like some S&M Mad Max reject, or you have the Maxim male models, or just, just like Ricky said, Riddle just... jumps in the ring and birds fly out of his ass. I mean, he was he he was so out of touch. It just didn't work anymore. 
And I hate that what those women had to go through. Uh, props to them for standing up. Um, there had to, I mean, there's going to be some truth to it if there was enough to actually make him retire. Because I think everyone figured Vince would die in the gorilla position while yelling at Michael Cole through a headset. Exactly. But, you know, with Triple H being in charge, you know, I'll, I have to be honest. For so long, everybody was teasing the idea that Shane would be the guy to take over. I, I always knew that it I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect to Shane, but I always kind of felt that, yeah, it's not going to be Shane. Triple H was one of the biggest names, you know, from the Attitude Era to the Ruthless Aggression Era to the unfortunate PG Era to the, what the hell, the, after the... Thunderdome, after the, the Thunderdome era. Yeah, from everything, like, I felt that it would make sense if it was Triple H because Triple H is one of the biggest names in the company. But people would say, but Triple H has a history of burying wrestlers. I'm like, look, Triple H, I mean, you, you, you could say whatever you, what you want about Triple H, but you can't deny the fact that Triple H, you wanted to, like, he sold tickets. He put butts on the seats. Whether he was a heel or an asshole, as everybody like, loved, loved to chant, but, you know, Triple H always had the vision in the company. So I always knew that, I always had a feeling that Triple H would be the guy. I think it's also, it goes back to, to kind of what I mentioned with Vince, it's separating Triple H, the performer, from Paul Levesque, the booker. I mean, you look at what he did in NXT. I mean, mm-hmm. the type of guys he pushed, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, smaller, faster, could put on, you know, great matches, not so much kind of the big hulking guys that, that Vince had a hard on for. I mean, Kevin Owens. Yeah, yes, perfect example. Because Kevin Owens, like, every fat dude in the world loves Kevin Owens because, like, yeah, that fat dude can moonsault. I can do it one day if I try. He is our hero. He is. That's – and. If it comes up, that is my my current favorite wrestler right now is Kevin Owens. Absolutely amazing. I could talk about him for hours, but I digress. But it's just Triple- it's just interesting. He's back to being the prize fighter, but but you know what the funny part out of that is? He's not a heel. He's a babyface. So he's back to being the prize fighter, but we're gonna see the babyface version of the of his prize fighter persona. And, and honestly, it does not bo- it doesn't bother me. I I mean, look, in, do I like do I prefer the heel prize fighter Kevin Owens? Yeah. I do, but you know what? Let's see what he can do from the face turn of that. Like, like, like again, Triple H is in charge. Let's see what. Let's see what what, ha- what comes of it. Oh, I can already tell you. I know exactly what's going to happen. Within right. the next two to th- within the next two to three weeks, the bloodline is going to beat the shit out of Sami Zayn, and then we're going to get we're going to get Owens and Zayn as a tag team in WWE finally. Which, if and you've Z- ever and, watched and, El and Generico. Both, and both and both of them as baby faces, right? Yes. If you ever watched El Generico and Kevin Steen and ROH, they are one of they are probably I'm not gonna say top five because there's so many, but probably a top ten tag team. So the matches they had, the ladder wars with the Briscoes, the Mortar City Machine Guns. Um, it would be perfect if I would love if the Bloodline beat Sammy so bad that he went away and he comes back as El Generico, comes back under the hood, the cape. I, I would absolutely <laughs> lose my shit. Yes, exactly. But back to back to Triple H. I mean, I think you know Vince retired. uh, Actually, I did some research before this. I'm being all professional. Vince retired July 22nd. That's when he sent out the thing. First big event after that was SummerSlam. And what did we see? We saw the return of Bailey with Io Sky and Dakota Kai. And to me, that immediately is like, what the hell? Okay. Because Dakota Kai had gotten let go. 
EO was just kind of floundering, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I know people say Mike skills or whatever, but she's one of the best in the ring. Her moonsault is a thing of beauty. Dakota Kai can do anything you ask her to do. In baseball, I think she'd be a five-tool player. She's great. And so that right there has got people interested. So then we start watching the next night. And uh, I'm trying to remember exactly who came back the night after SummerSlam. Because there's been so many. I mean, Johnny Gargano. I mean, not yeah. exactly after SummerSlam, but Johnny Gargano came back. Karrion Cross. But the Karrion Cross that the wrestling world definitely wants to see. Yes, with Scarlett, she came out with that hourglass. I mean, Hit Row came back. Can we talk about Dexter Loomis, how great he's been with The Miz? My favorite shot, camera shot in the past, like, couple of months is when Miz is climbing down the cage after fighting Lashley. And you just see Dexter Loomis slide out from the ring like he's on one of those mechanic carts, you know, just, how you doing, Mike? And that is great. <laughs> and people get it. Let's talk about people getting their names back, man. Matt Riddle, Austin Theory, Tommaso Ciampa, Drew McIntyre saying we're wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Let's wrestle. How well, great is it for Michael Cole not having Vince screaming in his ear all night? I'm telling you, like, Triple H, see, that's why I see Triple H is really like, he's enabling trust. He's bringing, he's bringing the wrestlers back. He's, he's basically saying, look, I'm going to make things right. So, yes. See, so so much so I, I kind of like to say so 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 Triple H uh, for an asshole as we used to always like to chant. I mean, he's really not such an asshole after all, right? <laughs> but I always like to say like if he ever comes out and the fans were to chant asshole, it's merely out of it's merely out of you know thank you you know th like you know like that. It, it it's like how wrestlers chant yeah how the fans chant you suck to Kurt Angle. I mean, it's all basically like it's a way of saying thank you, but based on how, based on how from the personas and everything, but. There, I, I guarantee you, the next time he shows up on camera, everyone in the audience is going to give him a standing ovation scream. Thank you. I mean, yeah, yeah, we can talk all day about you know his his, uh, his heel run with Evolution and just the the piles of bodies that he built his throne on. But I mean, as soon as you know he cut, you know he did his retirement, and you, I mean, heck, before he went out, he put over Danielson, he put over Rollins. So mm -hmm. I think on his way out, he he definitely changed a bit. I mean, that yeah, was definitely so, cutthroat time. And if you look at, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. If you look at no, when it's he, all right, it's all right. up, he was having to keep his spot against guys like Austin, Undertaker, and Rock. And so I think when they all left and he was kind of the biggest guy there, he felt it his, was his responsibility to carry that championship. Does that excuse what he did? No. Is that maybe a reason why? I think so. But what he's done with NXT, Black and Gold, there was a period of time when NXT Black and Gold was the best promotion in wrestling. I mean, every single takeover was selling out. Every match was bangers. People were coming in just to work with him uh, until they got to the main roster and Vince completely destroyed them. And yeah. I, for the first time, I'm excited about wrestling in a long time, especially with WWE. Dude, I'm the same I, way. It breaks my heart. Triple H built NXT. Brought it like the way he, he brought in the indie wrestlers. He brought in, you know, those kinds of wrestlers. He let them be themselves. Like he, he made NXT huge. And then it's just taken away. It's I'm like, Jesus. Then it's like it... NXT Degrassi high. <sighs> man, oh man, oh man. But the Triple H is in charge and. I mean, progress is still, I mean, some people, I mean, we, we got to be paid. I mean, a lot of us fans, I mean, I get it. We are a little bit impatient. 
look, so far we're not we're not seeing what we want to do. Like, guys, Triple H is not going to rebuild everything in a freaking in a freaking day. Okay, I mean, give give the game some time. I mean, <laughs> he knows that, what he's doing. That, yeah, that gotta have it now mentality that a lot of wrestling fans have. But honestly, I don't. I don't know how anyone is complaining that he hasn't given enough. I mean, look what's just happened. Look at all the people we've talked about who've come back. Who were Ron Strowman too just came back. Yeah. I I did have an issue with the way they brought him out because I do not like the fact that he came out and basically decimated the entire tag team division. I didn't think that was necessary. Um, I, I didn't like that just because I I like Street Profits. I like the New Day. I don't you know I don't need to see all eight of them get destroyed. I did love when they were uh. In the backstage area, and you just see the car flipped over. Yeah. And honestly, I wish they would have kind of kept that theme going. Like, you just see random vehicles flipped over. And then maybe have them just come out at the end of the night. Or I thought even in the cage match with uh, Lashley and Miz, he could have made his appearance there. Broke through the cage. You know, caused a, some kind of screwy finish to keep the, the title on Lashley. But it looks like they're going to just put him on SmackDown and kind of have him go after Roman is what I'm guessing. Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, so is Strowman back as a heel or as a face? According to the internal roster, he is a face on SmackDown. Okay. And he's set to, to feud with, with Roman Reigns, you said? I don't know his direction as of now. I know right now he's in some kind of mini feud with um, Otis and Gable, Alpha Academy. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't know if you can put him in a feud with Reigns right off the bat. Just because we, I think we all know at this point, Reigns has taken both those titles to WrestleMania to fight The Rock. I mean, that's just, that's where they're headed. That's what they want. So I, I don't know what you do with a Strowman. Um, I mean, you could put him in a feud with Reigns, but he's not going to come out of that on the winning side. So that probably kills all of his mo- uh, momentum. That, that would be a fatal mistake. Yeah, putting him in a feud with, with uh, Roman Reigns and, and have, him, have him lose. Yeah, that, that would be a terrible mistake. And, you know, and speaking of the fact that you, you mentioned he how it's going to be The Rock versus Roman Reigns, I mean, see that kind of kills my hopes. I was really hoping Cody comes back, wins the Royal Rumble, challenges and wins. But the way I, I see think, it now, I think I think the way I see it is when Cody comes back, they're resuming the food with Seth Rollins, and then we're going to see Seth Rollins and Rose WrestleMania Part Two. And, and, and but I don't see Cody losing it too. I don't think I don't I don't see Cody Cody losing that one though. I could also see some type of scenario where between now and let's say the Royal Rumble, that Rollins gets one of the belts off Reigns. Because you got to remember, they're still treating it as he has the undisputed championship and he has the WWE championship. So right. some kind of match, him versus Rollins. Rollins gets one of the titles, and then Rhodes Cody wins the Royal Rumble. He goes on to face Rollins for one title, Rock and Roman for the other, and then you have your night one and your night two main events. Uh, well. Well, good job, David. Good job. <laughs> Booker of the year right here, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I would really uh, be interested in hearing what Jim Cornette would have to say about it, but uh, that's a, that's, for some, that's for some other time. But, oh, man, I mean, you, 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 you... <laughs> oh, boy, uh, good old Jim. Like, I mean, know, as far as Jim Cornette goes... His stories from you know his stories from you know from back in the day. I love it. I do enjoy his stories. I do I do listen to Jim's podcast. And I'll be honest, it it is a good podcast. It's, but like I said, what I enjoy is I enjoy his stories. And you know, of course, when he has the when he talks about food with his co with his co host, I find those food arguments to be pretty entertaining. So I mean, double so, meat, so yeah, double cheese, extra mayo, extra onions. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that, that's just... that, that's corny for you. And and every time you mention shit stain, uh, I'm all I'm always always I'm always willing to hear if he has another story about Vince Russo. But he's just but, he's great. He's good. He's just living in 1980, and he's, he's yeah. He, he needs to chill yeah. with all the, with all the hate. But uh. yeah, but at the end of the day, what he says about AEW or whatever, it's his opinion. You know, he's he's entitled to it. That that's it. At the end of the day, it's just his opinion. So, but at the end, but honestly, as far as Jim goes, I'm always I always explain. I cannot argue with Jim. I I can't throw him under the bus for his opinions on wrestling because he was born and raised in this business. I'm just a fan. He worked in the business. He's been in the business. He's done everything. So, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's his opinion. But you know, that's that's just you know my my status as that goes. And uh, but as far as uh, Triple H's regime goes, uh, well. I mean, so far, I'm definitely showing signs of being more excited, and I just hope to be excited again soon. Yeah, two thumbs up. I think they got we got Gargano versus Gable tonight. I know Raw's been on for about an hour, so if that didn't already happen, uh, I think that's going to be a great match. And just seeing a lot of the talent come back. Um, I'm again, I'm excited about, definitely excited about the future. Um, I haven't, um, I haven't felt this way in a while about wrestling, and it, it's just great to have that that hope and that happiness. And um, just that that optimism about it, because I, I love the sport of wrestling. Um, I love what it is. I love how it brings people together. And I'm just I'm very, very excited about what the future the future holds. Absolutely. Well, I think we've, we've covered basically everything there is to cover on this subject. David, I want to thank you so very, very much for coming on. Dude, anytime, we- man. This was awesome. Anytime. Thank you so much, and just let everybody know that Ringside Chaos is available on multiple streaming platforms, and it's also available on YouTube. As usual, I am the Bear of Texas, and once again, Mr. David LaFon joined us. David, again, thank you so much, and we'll see everybody next time. Have a good one, y'all.